What the fuck's his name? What's his name? You know his name. Come on. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Southern Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 180 of Sapnin Podcast with myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, and this episode will either have your hearts burst into fire or suffocating under words of sorrow. Do you know what? I'll, I'll let that slide. I'll let that slide because <laughs> I was expecting, you know, your typical cheese for you to go for the obvious ones. You probably did in the other ones, but I've blocked it out. You've probably done some <laughs> sort of tears don't fall. I have realized my puns are the poison of this podcast. Yes! <laughs> this week's guest is Matt Tuck <laughs> from Bridgend Metalers. Bridgend, I, I love saying a town. If you say a town first, it makes them sound so local and like he's not in one of Britain's fucking biggest metal bands ever fucking brilliant like Bridgen's finest Matt Tuck is this week's guest and we had a good good long chat with the boy yeah it's been a long time coming but Matt Tuck is finally with us and we're going deep behind the scenes of his life songwriting and bullet for my valentine arguably one of the most influential heavy bands in music this century Starting off with just four kids with a dream from Wales. Then they've conquered it all, becoming metal superstars all over the globe. And Matt will always be remembered of the voice of it all. Obviously, we've shown a lot of love to Bullet on this podcast with previous members and current members sharing their stories. But it's great to finally have Matt on and just see how far they've come, Sean. You've, you were there in the early days when they were Jeff Kill John, a local band and seeing him backstage at some of the biggest festivals on the globe. Yes, I saw him play, as we mentioned later on in the chat, uh, I saw him play the Vic in Pontypridd years and years ago when they were called Jeff Gilljohn, and they had Gav, Metal Gav, from Honda McLean and Funeral for a Friend fame, uh, playing guitar, and uh, they did Davidian by Machine Ed, which was fucking crushing. One of, one of the Jeff Gilljohn songs was called Bouncy Shit, and I will never <laughs> forget it. What a fucking jam. But yeah, to go on then to be fucking one of the world's biggest metal bands, it's just mad. And it's come full circle. And to be honest, I was not so much nervous, but I've never really had a good chat with Matt before. And I think that's because of when Bullet from Valentine broke through, I was very, very friendly with the Boys and Lost Prophets, obviously. And Matt went straight on the attack of Lost Prophets. So, yeah, I think we've never really had a chat because we've always kind of been on different sides of it or whatever. But, yeah, it was super good to catch up with him, see him laugh and have a good time. Yeah, and this is quite special as well because Matt doesn't really do much press these days, especially long-form podcasts like this. I've done a few things with him in the past radio, but he's very reserved. He's not on social media, keeps to himself. Um, so we really appreciate the opportunity to do this and just kind of take a look behind the scenes of everything. And throughout this conversation, you're going to hear is different takes on misconceptions people may have had of him in the past, so some mental health struggles, 
the Jeff Kill John days versus Bullets rise to fame, touring with his idols in Metallica, Iron Maiden, and Guns N' Roses, headlining Download Pilot last year, and we even get his take on Axe Wound after Liam Cormier from Cancer Bats asked us to. Yes. If you haven't checked out that episode, a couple of weeks ago we had Liam Cormier from Cancer Bats come on. That was a fantastic chat as well. So, um, in fact, go and check out all the other episodes of Sapling Podcast because we've done quite a few now and I promise you there's at least three you will enjoy. And that's a fact. That's a Sean Smith guarantee. Definite guarantee. Hold me to that. If you listen to every episode of this, right, and you haven't enjoyed three of them, you're a fucking liar. <laughs> but let us know at Sapling Pod on Twitter and Instagram which ones you've enjoyed, who you'd like us to talk to in the future, some different topics, all sorts. We'd just like to hear from you. And please, a reminder, if you'd like to support us in any way, we would very much love you forever if you could go and sign up to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sapmin. There's loads of bonuses on there, extra podcasts, and you get to be included into a very wholesome community that we have no idea how we've come about uh, of us really doing this thing. So it is worth checking out just for that. Like you said, patreon.com forward slash Sapmin. It's the only way to support us unless you cash up us direct or if you see us in public... <laughs> Just give us some money. That would be lovely. Let's get on with it, is it? Yes, this is Matt Tuck of Bullet For My Valentine on episode 180 of Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! I don't know why I went for that one. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Sapnin! 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 Sapnin, boys! Yes! Come on, come on! (laughs) This week's guest (laughs) is Bregen's finest, the father of the South Wales metal, the frontman and guitarist of Bullet My Valentine, and don't forget, formerly the Mighty Axe Wound as well, which we may even talk about for two seconds later on. (laughs) This week's guest (laughs) is the Mighty Matt Tuck. How are you, Matt? I'm all right, man. Thanks for having me. How are you, boys? Yeah, man. Yeah, good. all right. Yeah, woke up again, <laughs> sadly. But, you know, we go again, like we go again. But, yeah. Happy days. Still doing all this. But, no, it's nice to have you on, man. It's been a long time coming for this. We've wanted to do it for quite a while. Had a few of the other boys from Bullet on in the past, obviously. But, yeah, how's things just going with you at the moment? I'm sure it's just kind of weird after the last few years just coming in and out of touring again and, and going full speed with everything yeah it's been all right man you know what i mean it's just this year's been very quiet we were supposed to do a european tour january february which which kind of 
got postponed, cancelled into 23, which is fine. You know, it was something we were expecting. So it wasn't a, a surprise when it got pulled. Um, you know, we were lucky enough to do a UK run at the end of last year. Got a new album out before that and kept busy the year before that, writing and recording it. So, you know, all right, man. It's, you know, the world has been disrupted heavily, but we've kind of made ourselves as busy and as, as, uh, as entertained as possible, you know? So, so far, so good. This year has been quiet, but we're, we're gearing up for a really busy summer again, you know, which will be, which will be fun. Yeah, you mentioned the, the album there. Did you write it over lockdown or was it, did you start writing it beforehand? Yeah, it, it was, some of it was before. We started the process before uh, in the summer of 2019. We kind of got the ball rolling. We had some time off um, in, in, on the gravity cycle and we just kind of decided for once to be proactive and use the time wisely, you know? So we got in a studio, we just kind of laid down ideas and demos and anytime we had a tour coming up, we'd, we'd go to a residential studio and double up demoing and rehearsing at the same time and just try to make use of the time you know so so yeah so we got a head start on it in 2019 kind of paved the way direction wise we knew it was going to be heavy we had a few repeat tracks kind of demoed um had christmas new year off and then we all know what happened next you know what i mean the world went to shit and here we are three years later nearly you know what I mean? so yeah it's been weird. <laughs> yeah yeah literally well one of the things i wanted to mention matt was obviously like you do a few interviews from time to time with records and stuff. But over the last few years, it seems that, especially for a metal frontman, you've become quite reserved. You don't really use your personal social media as much. And I think it's safe to say that back in the day, a lot of people may have had kind of a judgment of what you might have been like for seeing you on stage and maybe some of the early comments when you were all being a bit more cheeky in the press. Um, is that something you've just dealt with within yourself? Have you noticed that kind of change over the years? Or is it just now that being a family man and everything, that when Bullet is has some downtime, you kind of separate from everything else? Yeah, I think I've always kind of had the two, the two, two sides to me, you know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah, the social media thing is just something I, I've, you know, I've tried to get involved over the last few years. It's just, it's just something I don't really enjoy. I don't, it doesn't really kind of um, take up too much of my time. I just kind of like to live in the now and, and, and in the real world. Yeah, I don't tend to uh, spend too much time looking and reading and stuff anymore. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know, it's just something I don't gravitate towards. Whether, whether that's an age thing or a maturity thing, I don't know. It's just, just, just me, you know? I think a lot of people are uh, distancing themselves as well, you know? I don't know why. I think, I think you know, I think Twitter is, uh, obviously today the news has broke about Elon buying Twitter and stuff like that, you know, so we'll see what happens with that. And I don't know, I just, I don't know, I just feel like I just, I prefer living in the real world. You know, I, I don't, you know, even back in like a few years ago, I wasn't really so like mega social on the socials, you know what I mean? It's just, just something that was kind of like, Hey, you're in a band, you should probably interact and stuff like that, which, you know, which I did, you did it for, for a few years, you know what I mean? But I don't know, just over the last few years. Yeah. I think it's probably since COVID, I've just kind of learned to live in the present, you know what I mean? And it's a, it's a good, it's a good place to be. I prefer it. Do you feel like over the years you've had to like have a, not a struggle, but like a, a little battle with the way people might have perceived you just being a metal front man and how you actually are at home? No, I, I, I honestly don't worry about what other people say or think, you know, I mean, it's not something I've uh, taken to heart too lot, especially over the last decade, really, you know, in the early days when the band, you know, it's, you know, a lot younger, a lot more feisty, a lot more kind of up for a bit of a, verbal headbutt back and forth in the press with certain people and stuff like that but yeah, yeah i don't know man it's just uh i don't know i just think i've just chilled out a lot over the last few years especially and i don't know i just like to live in the now i like to live in the real world not on social media too much yeah just kind of focus on me i don't really kind of worry about what anyone else thinks of about stuff like that you know i think it's a good i think it's a good way to be if you start worrying about that especially if you're a success in whatever you do with your life you know what i mean there's a lot of people that want to say a lot of shit you know so if you start listening to it, it's just it's just a waste of your energy, you know. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I wish, I wish I didn't have to do social media. I Same. fucking would love to not be able to do social media. That'd be fucking class. <laughs> but sadly, I've got a yeah, I've got a little shitty brand that we got to fucking keep pushing. And we morg. No, it's good. You know, it's it, it, you know, it's, it can be a great place, and it is really helpful to build businesses and to build profiles for whatever you want to do with your life. You know what I mean? It's not all negative. It's just. You know, I had my moment of getting involved with it and, um, you know, I, I kind of, I don't know, I just got bored of it really. And I could, it's got advantages and disadvantages, let's just say that. Mm. Oh, no, for sure, for sure. But give us a little insight into your everyday life, really. What does Matt Tuck get up to when you're not on stage in front of hundreds of thousands of people or writing music? I mean, like, what, what does your home life actually look like? 
it's, it's just the same as everyone else, really. You know what I mean? Like when I'm off tour, I just like to kind of just be home. We, you know, we all know what it's like on tour. It's a crazy four, five, six, eight, ten weeks, whatever it might be. You know what I mean? It's uh, so when I'm home, I just like to dedicate my time and my energy to home and to family. You know what I mean? So, you know, I just wake up, I do the school run, um, come home, tidy up a little bit, go to the gym, smash out a workout, come home, do the school run, do dinner, sit down as a family, have some dinner. Watching TV, go to bed, repeat. It's just as simple as that, you know. It's uh, it's, it's it's nice and simple, you know. <laughs> Not very rock and roll, man. But what can I say about that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, we can we can cut that bit out. Let's just make up some other stuff. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Get up! I crash my Lamborghini. I do loads of cocaine. I steal a, an aeroplane. Yeah. No, but but really, like obviously, since Bullet first came onto the scene, you guys have been flat out busy since day one, and especially in those early days where you had that kind of major label push, trying to get your name out there, and you just seemed like you were absolutely everywhere at that time. So I'm sure, just over the years, you know, you've been overexposed in so many ways that now you just kind of want to have that like relaxed elements when you're not touring as well. Yeah, I, I just like the two sides of 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 how I kind of interact with my with my business and personal life. You know, I just I love going on tour. I love playing live music. It's just still a huge passion of mine. I'm still motivated to be the best musician and, and frontman I can be in Bullet. You know, but when I'm home, it's like I just I just like to separate the two. I think it's really important for for, for your mental and physical health, especially to kind of you know have that separation. You know, like over the last few years, I've just kind of grown into just being content and happy with, with, with both sides of it. You know, I don't know. It's weird to explain, man. I just, uh, I just like, I just like simple things. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not a complicated person. Well, how often do you, um, how often do you pick up a guitar when you're home? Do you ever write or do you have to sit down to, um, to start writing? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually quite bad at stuff like that. But again, when, when, as soon as I'm off the bus and at home, I don't really, kind of continue on the practicing and the, the vocal training and none of that stuff, you know what I mean? So the last time I, I <laughs> sung at full velocity and everything was kind of at Brighton and the last show of the tour in November, you know what I mean? So, Oh, wow. It's, yeah, I know. It's lazy. It's, I think it's just, I'm, I'm a lazy person at heart as well. So I really struggled to get motivated to keep the engine running, you know, when I'm at home. But, um, but it's okay. You know, I've been doing it for nearly 20 years now and, you know, it kind of works. As soon as I get my head into gear... You know, because we've got, we've got the first show coming up in like four weeks at Malta. So I've got to, literally this week now, I've got to start getting into a rehearsal room and start singing, doing warm-ups, getting my voice ready and all that stuff. So my, my, I, I kind of know I have to do that, but I'm not there yet. So I need a kick up, need a big kick up the ass to get me, to get the, to get me motivated again. It's been a while, you know what I mean? The last three years has been so kind of sporadic and unactive. My brain is shutting down a little bit, you know? So I've got to get it, <laughs> I've got to get it ready. Was November the last time you picked up a guitar as well? No, I, I do pick up a guitar occasionally, you know what I mean? But I don't, it's like, the only time I really rehearse heavily is when I'm in rehearsals with the boys, you know? I, I like to, I, yeah, just, I just feel that I'm, I'm lucky that I don't need that much prep time. Over the years, you know, I, I know what I'm capable of on five days rehearsals or two weeks rehearsals or four, like, you know, there's a sweet spot. And um, I kind of learned that I give myself about four weeks just warning prior to proper band rehearsals, we only need like three or four days proper rehearsals and we can just go and kick ass then, you know what I mean? So Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned there, you've been doing this for about twenty years now at such a high level. But if we go back to the really early days before Bullet when you were Jeff Kill John, that time seemed like it just exploded for you because there was a lot of talk at the time about all these major labels that were interested and the change of name and then getting yourselves out there. What what was it like for you? Because I'm sure that all of a sudden these boys from Bajend playing like local shows, butting off between Sony and Roadrunner, you're changing your name and then it just went to what it is today. So can you just give mm-hmm. us some like insight on those really early days? Yeah, it was it was it's crazy, you know what I mean? Like, we were a band for six, seven years prior to all this hype happening anyways, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like a, wasn't like an overnight thing, you know? We'd worked hard since, like, 18 years old, really, at that, from until I was, like, 23, 24, when we got signed or whatever. And it was good, you know? We just kind of wrote it for what it was. We didn't kind of let the occasion or the, the magnitude of what was happening kind of overtake anything, really, you know? We just, just took it in our stride. 
we knew things were on the horizon. All we had to do was kind of do what we did. Um, and that's what we did, man. We just focused on on the goal at hand, which is to just get that opportunity and get that record deal. And then we could really kind of show people what, what we were capable of. Up until that point, it was all just talk. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, so it's difficult. Even, even like a couple of years after being signed and the EP coming out and even start of the Poison era, it still didn't feel like it was a reality because it was, it was that mad and it was that kind of quick and it was that explosive when the band kicked off, you know? So, so yeah, there, so it was, um, you know, it was, it was a mad journey. It was just a mad experience and just, you know, unforgettable, really. It was a beautiful thing. But at the time, we were just so young and motivated and, and hungry. We actually didn't give a fuck if it was Roadrunner or Sony. We, were just, we just wanted to get our, our foot on that ladder and have the opportunity to show everyone what Bullet was about, you know? Well, I, I remember seeing Jeff Kiljohn in the Vic in Pontypridd. I think, I think um, Metal Gav, I think Gav Burrows, playing, mm-hmm. did he play guitar for a little yeah, bit? Yeah, he did. He, he did for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, so you, yeah, man. Yeah, Gal from Funeral for a Friend. I remember you playing Davidian by Machine Head um, and fucking, <laughs> and fucking, fucking killing it. Um, but, so when was, when was the moment that you could kind of take a moment and look around and then you realized, oh, fucking hell, yeah, we are, we're a big time fucking band? Because you said it was not, not until probably after Poison. So. Yeah, for, for me, it was during Fever. It, it took that long for me to be actually take it on board to accept what was going on. You know what I mean? Because up until that point, you know, up until even post fever, you know what I mean? Like we had EP, Poison, Screaming, Fire and Fever. So what was that? 2004 to like 2010. So it was a six, seven year period there where in my head, it was like, you, you, like you just have to, you just, you, you're in, you're hundred percent in, you're, you're both feet. And, um, I don't know. It was just, yeah, it was just, it was just total focus and commitment. And it was, there was no, there was no, there was no other way. I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we did, we worked our ass off. We, we toured the globe multiple times. We were fortunate enough that we got blessed with these opportunities, support like Metallica and Maiden. And I don't know, man, there was just, there was just something in the air. And I don't know, we were just, we were just, you know, riding that wave. And uh, it was just, just an amazing experience. You know, that, that, that first six, seven year period of Bullet was an absolute whirlwind. It's a fairy tale, fairy tale, you know, like a, like movie shit. It's crazy. Do you remember the first big show? Like, do you remember Bullet's first big show? Like when you were like, "Fucking mm. hell, what? Everybody's here for us." Yeah, but yeah, well, we, you know, we went from bar fight to, to Brixton. That's that's how wow, rapid it yeah. was. You know, yeah. what I mean? so like on on the Poison when we did the live at Brixton DVD, that was our first proper headline show, like tour off the back of the poison. And we ended up selling our Brixton Academy and every other show in the country. <laughs> you know what that's I mean? That's fucking so, mental. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. And, you know, and, and, and that didn't stop till post fever. You know what I mean? It just didn't stop. We went from like Barfly to like um, Mean Fiddler when that was around. Mean Fiddler to Astoria, Astoria to, to Brixton, you know, in less than like two years or something. Just, just mad. It's crazy. And then we did, obviously, we did, we did Ali Pali on Screaming Fire, and then we did Wembley on Fever, you know? So it, was just, it, just, kept, it just kept going. The trajectory was just, it was just constant, you know? It was crazy. Yeah, that's, that's such a mad rise when you think about it. Like, is there anybody else who's, who's done it like that? I don't know. Probably, there probably has been, but they're, they're, there's very few, you know? Like, bands get to, to big arena levels at some point in their career if they're lucky, you know? But n- not that, not like that, you know? I mean, it was kind of... Uh, it was quick and it was like... But that, but that's the thing. When you're going that kind of quick with everything, you can't comprehend what's going on because one minute you're there and it's just coming at you. You, you can't, don't have the time to sit back and think, oh shit, all these things are, are happening. You're just, you're just living in that moment. Yeah, and it was, it was great to live in that moment. And for us, it just felt like that's how it was done. It didn't feel like it was anything unusual about it. We were just kind of going with the flow and riding the wave of what was just naturally happening with the band's profile, you know, so... To us, it was like completely normal, but looking back, it was anything but. Yeah. And at that time, it seemed, from a music fan's perspective, it did seem that you were involved with two major scenes that were kind of exploding at the time. Uh, obviously, the kind of the whole Welsh thing and over here, like a massive group of yourselves, Lost Profits, Funeral for a Friend, but you were touring so much internationally with bands like Machine Head, Trivium, Avenged, Sevenfold, Slipknot, that when both of these were rising, you were at the kind of vocal point of both of them. Did it kind of feel that, like, a, a magic journey with, with those things hitting off at the same time? Not really sure. We never, again, we never really thought about it. We, we knew we, we could straddle 
multiple kind of territories and multiple styles and genres of, of metal as a whole. You know, we knew we were, we couldn't really, we didn't really fit into anything very specific. You know, we weren't like just like a, like a metal band. We weren't like an emo band. We weren't like, we, so, so we, I kind of knew that just from the songwriting and from how the Poison and Screaming Fire and all those albums were coming out, you know, we weren't a normal metal band. But I, I, I always thought that was our strength, you know, and it, and it did, it, it kind of, it did great things for us because we could straddle between those, those styles and those tours and those slots quite easily and quite effortlessly because we could cater to the specific tours and the specific crowds we were playing, and playing in front of, you know, so. Mentally, did you ever struggle with the kind of how quickly it was becoming and how much like fame came quickly and being on the cover of all these magazines and TV channels and music videos going kind of millions of views on YouTube? No, not really. You know, we were so hungry and motivated and we worked so hard to get this moment that, you know, thankfully at that point, nothing really kind of affected us. The only, th- the only time I did have a write downer was when at the end of the first full on poison tour after about nearly two, two and a half years of touring, I, my, I just fucking, my voice was just absolutely, absolutely ruined. Uh, kept on, like I had really bad tonsils, kept on getting like tonsillitis tour after tour after tour. And it was just, it got to the point where I was on stage in Edinburgh, Edinburgh Corn Exchange in 2006. And like halfway through the first, I knew things were bad months before this, you know what I mean? But I was just doing things to get through, like taking shortcuts on certain vocals and just doing, getting into bad habits to compensate for where the voice was at, you know what I mean? I just kind of snowballed into the voice just like, nah, no, no, it's not happening, dude. Um, and now, yeah, that, that was a really low point. And, you know, I didn't get back on stage after that show for nearly two years because we kind of wow. just, yeah, we kind of like the poison cycle was over. We had to make screaming fire and all this stuff. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, that, that was a low point because I just felt like all, all this time of trying to get where I was and then having the massive success globally, not just in Europe or the UK for the poison. And then it felt like it was just ripped away from me instantly by not looking after my voice, you know, and that was a simple thing. I, I felt bad, but. You know, I learned from it, came back stronger and kind of defined me as a, a far more professional frontman because of that, you know <laughs> what I mean? So, so it worked out all right, thankfully. You've, um, you've mentioned in passing all these different records and really iconic moments for Bullet. But looking back, I feel that like there's always something with all those records. There's like a story or a certain point of Bullet's career that that record really reflects on. I mean, it's it's easy and cliche to just say different chapters and era of a band or something, but it, it does feel there's those different stepping stones with every record. When you have this time to just kind of look back at the evolution of your kind of songwriting, lyrics, vocals, and everything, do you see those stories as, oh, that record's when this happened, that record is when we had to deal with this, or is it just kind of a standpoint of the band's career? Yeah, I mean, I can always associate certain things with, with every album cycle and the recording process. You know, I have, I have, you know, every album I have those moments. But for me, I, I, you know, as a songwriter, it was more just not kind of resting on my laurels as a songwriter and not, not taking the past successes of those records and just replicating them every time. I was very determined that I didn't want to be that kind of band, which was um, relying on the band's historical success to continue that journey. You know, I was always very, keen on pushing the boundaries, doing things differently, making sure the album sounded like it needed to sound in the moment rather than anything like five, six years ago from two albums previous. You know what I mean? I was always very focused on just, just evolving as a songwriter and as a musician and as a band, you know, and that, that's quite difficult. It's, it's easier said than done. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's easy to go into that thing of like, well, this was huge. Let's just try and replicate that in a different, different format, you know? But it's just not something that's ever really entertained me as a songwriter. You know, I mean, I've always, I've always want to challenge myself. I always want every album to have its own moment in time. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, but I, I, it's not really relevant as a, as, a, as an artist, as a songwriter. You know, I'm not really focused on what happens with the album once it's out. It's just my musical journey that I'm, I'm capturing for everyone to be a part of if they want to. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's a beautiful way, for, way to do it. And I think it's a huge part of the band having longevity as well, you know? Yeah, we, some people love certain stuff. Some people don't like certain stuff. But again, it's not really something as a songwriter you should be concerning yourself with, you know? It's not for your ego for other people to like it, you know? So it's just, just to get out that creative musical journey that I'm on, you know, and I'm hopefully going to be on for a long time. I've noticed a lot of fans have been mentioning how heavier 
this new self-titled record um, has sounded to them. But I know you've just kind of said that it, it just came out naturally. You would there was no plan to be like, oh, we must write heavy record here. As you said, all your records have sounded a lot differently. Um, was it just kind of a, a sense of the moment that that's what was coming out when you guys got together? Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as that. You know what I mean? It's like we got, like I said, at the beginning of this track, you know, we went into a studio summer of 2019 just to use some downtime to see what happens. You know, you just get in a room, push record, you start like just chatting about some ideas, put some riffs down, riffs down, and and that, that's how we start the process. You know, it's it's not more complicated than that. That's how we do it. And it just became clear that all this stuff was just coming out at a speed which we'd never experienced before, whether that was something to do with not writing a record in this vein for, for a couple of albums, I don't know. Who knows? But um, yeah, it was a natural thing. Everyone in the studio was smiling. And then um, off we went, you know? It was, it was like, yeah, there was no like, we need to sound aggressive and metal. <laughs> and There's none of that. We just, we just wanted to produce music that kind of made us, you know, get passionate and be in the moment in the studio like we've, we've done for 15, 20 years, whatever it's been, you know, so. Well, I think with these new songs, I genuinely believe, to me, it feels like the freshest, some of the freshest so stuff you've done, possibly since The Poison, for me. Mm. Um, cool. And yeah, I fucking love it. I love it. And um, yeah, you d you worked with um, Carl Brown, right? Oh, he's going to, he, yeah, he's going to kill you. He's going to kill you for that. He's bound without the, no R, oh. no Brown. What? Oh, yeah. I fucking yeah, read we, that wrong. Oh. <laughs> Leave that in. Leave that in. I'm very sorry, Carl. Uh, don't kill me. And um, yeah, if I get in touch with you to ask about recording, uh, please don't charge me extra. Thank you very much. How was that experience? How did that come about? I've no. Yeah, we've, we've had a working relationship with Carl since Venom. The, the first time that me and Carl worked worked on an album together was was Venom. So he co-produced that record with Colin Richardson. Um, and then we just kind of continued that relationship together ever since. So we, um, he did the Don't Need You single after that. He'd done all the demos for, and the recording process of Gravity, mixed it as well. He did all the demos, recording process and mixed the new record as well. So he's, he's, he's almost like a, we want to use the word integral, but he's definitely kind of been that person that I have by my side when I'm writing to capture what I'm doing. I can trust him to kind of do what a producer should do. And that's let me be me. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so he's great. Like I can't see myself working with anyone else in the future, really, unless something comes up, which seems like a good collaboration. And, but it's, it's just a trust thing. You know, we've worked with lots of producers over the years, but it, it's, uh, I don't know, the dynamic is, is, is weird sometimes with certain people, you know what I mean? And it's, it's I don't know, it, it's hard to put your trust in people that you don't know as well. I, I've found out over the years that there's this musical journey you're going on to capture this moment in time with your art and then you've got some guy that doesn't see it the way you see it and I was like mm. well, it's not about what you see bro like this isn't you know what I mean <laughs> you're, you're supposed to be like capturing and uh, enhancing the process not writing everything that you think it should be you know I hate that so yeah so so Carl is that guy he just you know he's 100% committed he was there through all the process of the you know he gets it because he's there through the, even the writing sessions you know what I mean? So he's like, he knows exactly what's going on, where my head's at and what I'm thinking and how it should sound. And that's, that's what he does. Throughout your musical journey as well, you've kind of done a lot of songwriting with a few different artists from the likes of Charlie Simpson and Benji Webb, um, especially on, on bullet material. How did like, how does stuff like that come about and how much of an eye opener is it when you are getting to work with different artists whose music does sound uh, a lot mm -hmm. different from yourself? It's great. It, it can be fantastic and it can be an absolute nightmare as well. It just, it just depends on that dynamic you have with that person in the room, you know? Um, it's really, it all boils down to how it feels when you're doing something together. It, it's, um, it's quite, it's quite, quite a simple thing. If you're just not vibing the person and then, or they're not vibing, you, you know, you just, just leave, just leave the session. You're not going to come away with anything that you love and you're doing it off the road. You know, it's all about that collaboration, about that vibe between, you know, it's two, three, four people in a room, you know? everyone's got to be on the same page and extracting all these little bits from your brain and, and challenging you why it could be better. And, you know, it, it's, it's a process, but I, I think it all boils down to how good the dynamic is and working with guys like Charlie and Benji and a bunch of other people over the years, you know, we just, it's, it's just, it's just because it's, it's, it's fun rather than you're doing it to write hit songs. You're just doing it because you feel like this person would be a cool person to collaborate on this certain part of this song. When, when, when it happens like that and it's natural and, 
you trust everyone and everyone's on the same page. It's, it's a really fun experience, you know. I've done a bunch of writing as well over the last couple of years with artists out of this genre completely, you know. So okay. we should see whether I'm not going to name any names right now. But oh, that was my next question. <laughs> have, you written, have you written with or for anyone we wouldn't expect? <laughs> yes. yes, and that's it. That's it. Bastard! Like yes, you just said oh, yes to it. Well, I'm, yes, uh, I'm, yes I'm, excited. I'm excited to hear that whenever it, it comes out if we'll ever yeah. know when it, when yeah, it comes it's out good. Well, yeah well, I think so you know I, I don't know how it's going to work yet because it's all just kind of writing sessions and stuff but for me it's been it's been an amazing experience to, to like step out of of metal and rock and the world I've lived in for so long and do something that has com- it's completely out of my comfort zone and it's completely out of my musical kind of repertoire it's been such a liberating fun experience you know it's something I definitely would love to get into more when I get some time okay um who the fuck is in there? <laughs> <laughs> I just can't think. I just in my head now going, right, not rock and metal, right then. Who is it? It's, uh, it's obviously a, it's a Matt Tuck jazz album. Matt Tuck oh, jazz maybe, album. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> Matt Tuck jazz experience. Nice. <laughs> yeah. No, but I've really, I've really enjoyed it. You know, definitely something I want to explore when I, when I have the time and the energy for sure. It's, it's what about, good. all right, I'm sorry. I, I'll stop after this one. <laughs> Give us the genre, if you can. What type of stuff is it? Oh, like contemporary soul. Ooh. What? <laughs> no one's expecting that. <laughs> yeah, con- contemporary popular soul music. Some of that. That's the best way to describe it so far, yeah. Well, yeah, I never. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Very different, very different. <laughs> well, I can't wait for that. <laughs> but speaking of, of these different dynamics and stuff, how much um, of a new energy do you feel Jamie has given Bullet since coming into the band because obviously he was a massive fan of you guys for years and then joining in everything and his excitement on his face with some of these big moments that he has never experienced maybe you've experienced a countable times uh, speaks for it all he just seems that like he's loving life so has that rubbed off on on you and and Padge and stuff do you feel oh absolutely you know he's um he's just a, he's just a he's just a fucking dude you know what I mean? He's, he's like, he's, he's just so nice. He's so down to earth, so normal, but so fucking talented and humble. It's just the perfect combination of having someone in a band with that's exactly what you want. You don't want egos. You want people who can just stand up there, fucking deliver and love it at the same time and not take it for granted. You know what I mean? That all the, all the things Jamie has as a person and as a musician brings nothing but positive energy to this band, you know? So yeah, we're, we're, we're over the moon. He's been such an asset, man. No, yeah, I love him. Love him to bits. He's, he's a beautiful, beautiful human. Yeah, the down part. I nearly cried when I saw him on stage at the end with his boy and he was like <laughs> out to the crowd and stuff. And I was like, this is yeah. fucking, like, I fucking love him. Like, I've known him for years and years and years. And he's, like I said, he's fucking humble. He's lovely. He almost doesn't know how talented he is. How talented he is, I think. <laughs> because if he did, I think he could be more of a dick and I would be fine. <laughs> um, but he's, he's yeah. just fucking absolutely lovely. Like, he's, what a fucking... Yeah, it's good, and you know, and, and you know, and he deserves it as well. You know what I mean? He's, he's one of those people that you know, it's just the stars aligned for us. We're very lucky to have him in our band. You know what I mean? He's an asset to any band that he would be in, if it, even if it wasn't ours. So we're I've just we're super lucky we have him. You know, he's brilliant. Well, obviously, he was on the podcast last year, and he told this really beautiful, touching story of his fanhood, really, football as a young kid and going to see you guys play. Uh, in LA uh, all these years later playing the exact same venue with you and even got you to recreate a photo that you took together all the way back then and I was just wondering like if you could share your kind of perspective from that because that must just feel like a weird full circle moment in, in so many aspects. Uh, it, it's, it's, an, it's, it's another part of the, 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 the bullet movie. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it's, it's, it's one of those things you would see like a narrative in some kind of rock and roll movie, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I remember it. We were, it was actually Florida, not LA. Okay. And, um, he was on, we yeah, he was on holiday. Wrong today. We are fucking, <laughs> fucking this up completely. Sorry, man. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. No, it's Florida. okay. Yeah. He, he was on holiday with his family, uh, at, like Disney World in Florida. And we were playing House of Blues, uh, in the Disney complex. And just so happened that he was there. He came to the show. After the show, um, I was just hanging out. I said the bus. I think I went to get like a opposite, opposite the house of Blue's Gates. There's like a, a restaurant. I think I went in to get like a burger or something because I was starving. 
And he was like, and he, yeah, I can't remember the exact conversation. He was like, oh, oh, back. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting a, oh, you were right, Tawa. All right, Tawa. Yeah, I was like, oh, back. He's like, what? Hang on. <laughs> like, I mean, Flor, you know, turned around, there was this kid there, you know, when he's like, oh, you were fucking brilliant. Can I have a picture with you? I'm on, I'm on holiday with my family, I am, right? <laughs> I was like, cool, yeah, of course you can. Like, like you're from Wales then. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm from fucking Burford, aren't I? I was like, okay, cool. And he just said, you know what, I've been a huge bullet fan for years. We're just on holiday. Can we take a picture? I thought, fucking, of course, man. And yeah, and then obviously, like, what was it? Probably 10 years later, um, we were at the venue and he comes to sit next to me and he just tells me this story. I'm like, are you fucking serious? And he's like, yeah, it was here like 10 years ago. And he just pulls out the photo. And I was oh, like, wow. dude, that is fucking weird. And he's like, yeah. And it's just, I just, you know, I just I had to tell you. And I was like, oh my God, that's mad. So then on stage that night, then I kind of halfway through the set, just kind of just told the whole crowd what I just told you guys, you know what I mean? Um, with, with the catchphrase being, and that, and that kid is Jamie. <laughs> yeah, <nice. laughs> And yeah. it's beautiful, you know what I mean? And yeah, it's just it's just a really cool, beautiful story. It's, it's mad, you know. Like, how, how many people can say that's happened to them? Exactly. I think I think it's the best fan to band kind of story uh, ever. Um, you mentioned uh, Download Pilot there as well, and I think over the years, there's always been that kind of conversation with people saying like, "What would Bullet from a Valentine's headline set at Download be like?" You've obviously expressed that that's something you've wanted to do for years and and everything but getting to do download pilot the first gig kind of back after all that lockdown was that kind of the the perfect showcase for you to say to andy copping and co like this is what we can do as a headline act and especially closing up such a momentum event yeah you know i think we've 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 been capable of it for a long time. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I think we've, we've been ready since 2010 and the fever era. We've, we've been ready. You know what I mean? At that point, we've had three fucking multi-million selling records and like torn <laughs> arenas. All you know what I mean? It's like, it's not like yeah. we weren't ready on that record. It's, it's just a matter of being patient, I guess. When you've got all these juggernauts coming through year after year, of course, we're not going to get priority over that. You know, we're not stupid. We know that. Um, and I feel like every time we've played any festival all over the world, we've always approached it as we are the headliner it doesn't matter if we're third from the top penultimate i don't give a fuck you know what i mean it's like if we're if we're there that's my time and that's our show and you're going to get it with fucking both barrels you know what i mean so that's that's the attitude we've always had man so to be given that opportunity for the pilot was yeah it, we we were stoked we were honored we were over the moon but for us you know it was more like well let's just go do what we always do and, and we did and you know if we, if we personally you know i think I think people are aware that we're ready for a long time. It's just, it's just our patience thing, man. It's like, there's no way we're going to get it over Slipknot or Avenge or Metallica. Or, it's like, it's not going to fucking happen. You know, we know that. Um, but given the budget of a headliner and given the, the luxury of everything that comes with being a headliner, and we do get that opportunity to for download, especially, look the fuck out. You know what I mean? It's on. It's, 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 it's massively on. So I think we just need to sit tight. We, we're headlining a bunch of European festivals this summer. Mm. So it's not like we're not we're not used to it and don't do it. We do it all the time and have done for years. But you know, it's you know when when the time comes, it comes. You know, what I mean, we're more than happy to kind of be part of those festivals, not as a headliner. You know, it's a it's a massive honor to be part of those shows. You know, so as long as they keep coming, I'm happy. If it never happens, I'm, I'd still be as content and as happy as I am today. You know, it is what it is. Well, wh- hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. One thing we always like to mention with guests from time to time on the podcast is just like a moment that throughout your career that made you think, like, how the hell are we managing to do this? Obviously, you've toured with so many of your favorite bands when you were growing up. If it's just Metallica, Maiden, uh, Slayer, Rob Zombie, Guns N' Roses, the list goes on. Is there any, like, one you've met along the way or being surprised that, like, as being aware of you or anything like that, where you're just like, whoa, this is like, this is surreal? Uh, yeah, I think b- b- back in, in the early days of the Poison Scream Out Fire, when we did all those big support slots, e- every moment was was just wild. You know, what I mean, these, these were bands and people that I had up on my bedroom wall and idolized. They weren't human to me. That was pre-social media. You know, what I mean, there's pre-social media. These are these are literally ghosts. You know, you, you have you, you have you have them on, and there's this mystique and there's this aura and this. I don't know. They, they were they were gods to me. So to actually see they were human, <laughs> it sounds weird, you know, to see they were human beings. And not only were they human beings, but they were coming to say hello to me and mentioning my name backstage at their show. There's, there's, there's not many experiences you, you, you have in life that kind of leave you speechless, really. So, yeah, they were all great moments. You know, some, some were better than others. But for the best part, everyone we've met and toured with that are on that caliber, that legendary status have been nothing but gentlemen and, and, and sweet and kind and, and give us advice, help us out, take us on tour, you know, have a beer, whatever. It's great, man. You know, and then you kind of understand what it's like to be in that, you know, at, at that level and still be humble and still be kind and still be accommodating. It was just a great example to set, you know, it, it was good. It was good to see. Nice. Is there is there being is there being anyone um, in particular that you just r- really remember having like a nice conversation with or like getting a, a little bit more of a friendship? Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say friendship because you know when you interact, I don't like to take up people's time. I don't like to overstep the mark. I I I, I hate taking pictures and selfies. I don't I have zero of me with you know like Lars and James and stuff like nothing. I don't have. Oh, okay. You know I wow. just I'm not that guy. I just feel I just feel like it's. Uh, Again, it's that whole thing about just living in the moment. I'm just, I'm just such a sucker for just being present and not worrying about stuff like that, you know. Um, but yeah, like, like the, one of the first times we played with Metallica, it was in this like mega stadium in Holland. It's like a forty thousand indoor arena, so it was like weird. It was huge. Wow. Um, and it was us, Avenged Sevenfold, and Metallica, um, and we were just kind of in our backstage area, just chilling out. Knock, knock, knock. Guy opens the door. It's like, hey guys, it's like Lars Ulrich. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck. <laughs> you know, and he, he's like, can I come in? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no, no, turn no. around, turn around and fuck off. No, You're in the wrong dressing room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking leave it, will you? I'm trying you to know? fucking wash, bear. <laughs> and it was just, just again, it, that was that moment, you know, they were just super humble. You introduced himself. Thank you for being here. Anything you need, come see me or the tour manager, whatever. And then we went on to have a conversation about the Koran remastered album that just came out in 2006, where it was um, the remake of Master Puppets, basically. So we, we did it, Machina did it, Fight Style, there's a bunch of bands, we made Master Puppets, and we did Welcome Home Sanitarium. And then he just went on this, this whole conversation about how he, why he loved our version and what he thought that we did to it, which he wished they did to it back in the day and all this. And so I'm just like, I'm just sitting there like just pissing in my pants, like trying to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, it's just amazing. You know I mean, so when you have those moments, they, they are, they are life shattering and scary, but when the dust settles, like just makes you just incredible. Just memories I'll keep forever. You know what I mean? Like just amazing, amazing things. Yeah. That's really beautiful. That's really, really yeah. beautiful. Well, Matt, as we start to wind down here, uh, there was a couple of things I did really want to mention. Uh, we just had Liam Cormier of Canterbats on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he gets asked all the time about Axe <laughs> right? 
And I just wanted to ask you a couple of things about that in terms of, do you think that project will ever get back together in terms of maybe material, just playing a few shows or anything? Or is it just a staple at that time where you had other ideas as a side project? I mean, explain Axe Wound to us if people just aren't aware of that kind of time period. Mm. Basically, Axe Wound came together. Um, I, in 2010, Jace filled in on drums for the first arena tour that we did of, of Fever. So then after that, me and Jace just hit it off. We kind of uh, kept in touch and we said, oh, let's just do something in the future, blah, 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 blah. That touring cycle finished. I kind of had this itch I wanted to scratch about just doing something fun, something different. Like by that point, you know, Bullet was quite an intense thing, you know, and I just wanted to kind of step out of it, get some clarity, do something else, have no limits or boundaries or worry about anything that's to do with Bullet, you know. So I just went in the studio, started writing demos by myself. Um, and when the time was right, picked up the phone to Jace, said, look, I'm, I'm doing this little project. Probably nothing's going to come of it. It's just for fun. Do you want to be involved? And he was like, yeah. So a couple of days later, he's at my house, go to the studio. Um, and we just start making this, this, this album. Uh, <laughs> and within 11 days, we'd written and recorded an album minus wow. vocals. So basically we set, we set ourselves a challenge. It's like, okay, we've, we've managed to like lag 10 or 11 days in the studio. And we were like, all right, let's, we're going to write a song a day. Uh, and that's going to be an album. And we were like, cool, let's go. So we got in the studio, day one, wrote a song, day two, wrote a song. And so, so like, there's no pre-production, there was no writing, there was no nothing. We just went in, wrote a song, left, next day, come in. And once we had this collection of just gnarly instrumentals, we were like, okay, I guess we better get someone to do some singing and yelling on it then, eh? So I picked up the phone, asked Liam if he wanted to be involved. He said yes, jumped on a plane, came to the house. We sat up all night writing lyrics, putting the vocals together, went to the studio. Liam smashed them out in like three or four days. Um, and then it was on. And then, yeah, we, we put a band around it, got Mike Kingswood involved. He was in a band called Glamour at the Kill. Um, and then got Joe Copka, who was in a band with Austin Dickinson. What were they, they were called, I can't remember what they were called. Uh, Rice to Remain? Rice to Remain, there you go. Yeah, they would, they, they would, they would do some stuff. Cut the long story short, before we know it, we had an album, we had a band, we did a few rehearsals. And then a couple of months later, we ended up playing like Rock and Ring, Rock and Park, Download. It's like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> I did this to take a break from all this shit, and I seem to be on a stage again. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but, uh, but it was great. It was a great experience, man. And like, what? Well, yeah, just, just the whole concept of the album was fucking weird. Like, not having any demos, writing a song a day, and then that's that. I, I challenge anyone out there to do the same. It's not as easy as it sounds, you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> so. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, is there any songs on there that you would have liked to have spent more time on now looking back that you would have changed or are you happy no, with it all? I think I'm happy. I'm totally happy with it all because like what, what we did off the back of No Little Time and Zero Budget is, is pretty, pretty amazing, you know what I mean? We've got machine to mix it and stuff like that and it, it was all right, you know what I mean? We, we did a little UK run. We did some big festival, European festival performances off the back of it. And it was exactly what it was. It was just like a random fun project to do something which is just completely ludicrous and heavy. And yeah, again, it was just kind of this moment in time that was just a bit of a whirlwind, but a hell of a lot of fun. It was great. And who knows, maybe one day, I'd definitely like to do something. It's just a time issue, man. It's like the thought of going in to do another album like 11 tracks in 11 day now, was days now blows my mind. I can't believe that again. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that would happen again. So I don't know. Fair maybe fair. it would, but who knows. Yeah, or just a few shows or something. Yeah. Yeah, Liam's, Liam's up, up for it. it. We know that much. So. <laughs> Liam told us to tell you that he's up for <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> oh, cool. And we're, we're all up for it. We're definitely all up for it. It's just, it's just one of those things where the stars align where we could all just do it. You know, five, five different guys in five different bands. That's not easy to kind of oh, get no, together yeah, at the same yeah. point in time and have to lock people down for three or four months. You know, it's like, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's harder than it sounds, you know? Well, yeah. Well, when it, when it happens now, then we don't want, you know, Sapling Podcast doesn't want any money or any fucking agent fees or anything like that. We just want Sapling Podcast presents on the top of the tool. Oh, yeah. So that'll do. Yeah. And then there we go. we're fine for that. But yeah. <laughs> and obviously, we've mentioned um, a lot of just like changes over the years and everything. Um, but one thing we haven't talked about is that kind of fashion change within Bullet and yourself as well. And this is a very important question, Matt. Um, on, in, the, in those, is it hair related? In those early days, how many people do you think you influenced to cut the sleeves off their tops and buy three quarter length shorts? 
Every fucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> any fucker who doesn't have any sleeves. Yeah, that was that was Matt's that's, doing. That's, but yeah, yeah that's because of me. Copying me. Yeah, boys are copying me all the time. Mad. <laughs> Wherever, everyone at the time after you was wearing that. So, I mean... Yeah, a lot, a lot of t-shirts got their sleeves ripped off. Back then, <laughs> I remember being convinced that you had a closet just full of sleeves. Just like, <laughs> like, that's off. Chuck that in here. I'll never see it again. Yeah, so technically you might have a closet full of like perfect head bands that are, yeah. could have been sleeves on t-shirts. Yeah, yeah I don't know why they are there. Yeah, there's a bin, bin somewhere. There's a bin in every venue across the world which has Matt Tuck sleeves in. Oh, wow. <laughs> there we are. Last seven. <laughs> That's a sentence I was not expecting to hear today. That's fucking brilliant. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. But, but with all that as well, obviously, the big thing, um, just being all that experience you've had, looking back at that kind of young version of you in Bridgen College, just kind of getting this band together and, and all these dreams, if you could go back in and tell him one thing, what, what would it be? Don't change a fucking thing. You know what I mean? Like, don't do anything differently. Like, take the highs and the lows. They're, they're equal. They're part of the journey. You know what I mean? So, just just be to like, I don't know, man. Just uh, just do your thing. If, if that's the journey you want to go on, go on it and live it. But fucking commit yourself, you know? I mean, that's what, that's what I did and I still do, you know? it's. Uh, I think that's that's what separates... I don't know if this is going to come across as a horrible comment, but the men from the boys, you know? You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, it's yeah, I think mindset... And motivation and commitment, regardless of what you want to do in life, is a huge weapon. You know what I mean? That's something I've always been kind of blessed with is that that mental strength and fortitude to kind of succeed and not take no for an answer when it comes to like the career and music and stuff, you know, and people telling us we should do this, we should do that, you shouldn't do it. Like it's like, nah, man. It's our rules or no rules, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, man. And um, we've really appreciate this. Just before you go, obviously the the Lux version of the self-titled record comes out July 8th. You're going to be very Ooh. busy uh, across Europe this summer, just with all these festivals and mad gigs. Is there anything else you would like to let people know about? Uh, plug, please uh, go ahead. I just, you know, a big thank you to everyone out there that's, that's, that's supported the band since day one. If, if you've been there since day one or, or from today, you know what I mean? Just thanks for, uh, thanks for showing us some love and um, enabling us to, to do what we do, you know, and, it's been a it's been a difficult time for most people. It's been a difficult time for the music industry, live music especially. It's been it's been rough, you know. So hopefully this summer marks the start of getting back in the field with your best mates, headbanging and drinking beer, you know. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, man. Yeah. No, so thanks for everyone just for the support of the years, man. It, it doesn't go unnoticed. We're extremely grateful. You know? Thank you so much. Nice. Well, yeah. Thank you very much from us. Uh, thank you very much for the music and. Um, yeah, thank you very much for doing this. And hopefully, yeah, we get to do one in the flesh at some point as well. Yeah, yes, please. Cool, man. Thank you very much. Nice one. Cheers, boys. Take care, boys. Yes. Woo! Good chat with Tuckers. Tuckers. <laughs> Nobody's ever called him out. Nobody's ever called him out. Nobody's ever called him out. But yes, thank you very much to the mighty, mighty Matt Tuck of Bullify Valentine for giving us his time, having fun with us. I hope he had fun with us. Um, his face looked like he was having fun with us. <laughs> and um, his voice sounded like he was enjoying it. But it, he could it, be the world's greatest actor, couldn't he? So um, He could be. We, we never know. We never know what happens when they, after these podcasts, to be fair. We don't get the reaction of if they really enjoyed it or not. They could be like slating us off camera. We don't know. Well, that's the thing, yeah. And we've never, we've never had anybody who's like accidentally stayed in the chat for too long as well. They knock the camera <laughs> off, and then we don't go. What a load of fucking bollocks those two are. <laughs> no, Fuck but we really know. appreciate him taking the time. As I said earlier, a very reserved man these days. Doesn't do many long form interviews, uh, so it's great to have him on and add to all the wonderful stories we've heard on this podcast about Bullet for My Valentine. Uh, of course, the self-titled record is doing the rounds at the moment. They're going to be releasing a deluxe version with Ooh. some extra songs. There's a single called Omen, which is out now, which I encourage all of you to check out after this. Uh, but the deluxe version of the self-titled record, Bullet for My Valentine, will be coming out now on August the 5th on digital and CD. But if you want a vinyl version of the record that would be coming out on november the 11th so head to bullets website for all the details and where you can pre-order 
and all of that. They're going to be very busy across the summer with loads of European festivals and uh, hopefully they'll have something cooking this side of the uh, the pond in the UK very soon as well. Fingers crossed. And yeah, the new songs, like I said, they sound fresher than ever to me. It almost feels like a like a restart for the band to me. Like Omen's a ripper, Knives is fucking fantastic, Rainbow Veins was good. Yeah, it's literally the best Bullet from Valentine I've heard for quite some time. So yes, go and check them out in those European festivals if you can get there. We are very, very excited for this deluxe version of the record. Yeah, and I thought it was quite interesting to hear as well. I think, you know, a lot of people would consider Matt one of the biggest metal front men of this generation. And to see that it only sunk in for him of all the things that was happening, like on their third record is um is a bit insane. But just great that they're still doing stuff, uh, killing it as ever, and uh, an awesome band with a lot of heritage that mean a lot to a lot of people um if you've enjoyed this episode let us know at sap and pod on twitter and instagram we love hearing from you but most importantly sean they should go and check out our patreon page patreon.com forward slash sapman yeah, uh, yeah go on please do um <laughs> yeah if you've enjoyed any of these episodes and you think do you know what i like these boys how can i support them go to patreon.com forward slash sapman it's completely up to you. You can give as little or as much as you want. If you are a uh, crypto bro or crypto sis or crypto non-binary, even better because uh, yeah, chuck us some, chuck us some of your mad money because uh, people in our world are making mad dollar, and I'm sat there looking like a like a fat ape on my own. So uh, yes, check out patreoncom happening and at pod on Twitter and Instagram, obviously, to tell us who some of your favourite episodes... Do you know what? Send us who your top three episodes have been. Because mm. I'm really interested in this because I see a lot of people's different favourite episodes, but I don't see your top three. I'd like to see the mix of top three. That's happening pod on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, yes, please do. And via our Patreon, you get loads of extra bonuses uh, with it includes videos, playlists, extra podcasts, some random announcements and malarkey that we get up to behind the scenes as well and the community is something we're very very proud of if you're not aware they help each other talk to each other on the daily they meet up regularly two of them went and watched Les Miserables this past week in the London I don't know why I put the accent on when I said it (laughs) Les Miserables (laughs) Les Miserables I went to see that in London once well twice actually I went to see it twice in the theatre in the West End and fell asleep both times I, I was waiting for the main character, Leslie Miserables, to turn up, but spoiler alert, <laughs> they never do. So, did they go of their own accord? Yes, yeah. A- Amy Campion and Al Douglas got together and went to London to, to watch it. It wasn't a school trip. No, it wasn't, wasn't a school trip. I'm, I'm intrigued, though. When you fell asleep, um, was it at the exact same scenes both times? I don't remember. I just remember going, oh, duh, this is sad, isn't it? And then... Ugh, Oh, gone out. Yeah, no Leslie miserables at all. Um, <laughs> a lot of it's in like French accents and that as well. I didn't understand that, so I didn't vote leave the EU to after your French accents in my plays twenty years ago. Whenever I fucking saw it. <laughs> <laughs> also, I didn't vote leave because I'm not a fucking idiot. But anyway, let's carry on. Yes, but uh, my point was the community are wonderful. They're meeting up at festivals and gigs and. Things we wouldn't imagine uh, that they enjoy. So if you'd like someone to fall asleep with in the theatre to Les Miserables, uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. Uh, but of course, we need to say a massive what? thank wait, you wait, to... Wait, 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 wait. That better not be a new benefit. Like, I'm not going to fucking London plays <laughs> because, well, number one, i got to get there and back. And mm. petrol's up at a mad fucking yeah, price. I won't be able to afford that. True. Tickets for that fucking nonsense is incredible. That better be... In- thought of in the benefit price if I do have to go and fall asleep <laughs> with people at play. Imagine that. Imagine someone's like, oh, I really want to go to the play, but I don't want to go on my own. And I don't mind if the person's absolutely asleep. Then, hey, Sean Smith is the man for you at patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. Yes. <laughs> we should say thank you to so many wonderful people in our Patreon. If you have the description of this episode, there's, there's a bunch of names there, but as always, Sean is going to give a mahusive shout-out to the elite members of our Sapling Podcast Patreon community. Those are the top tiers. 
Some of these have changed their names, so beware. I just remembered, or oh, I worked out last week, was all um, Machine Gun Kelly-esque names. Oh, so really? So go back to the end of last week's episode and you'll understand why they're all funny names and guns. Thank you very much, Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Modern Talking, Leeway, Janelle Casson, Paul, I'm Clive, and so's my wife, Hirschfield, Mitch Perry, Dilly, I thought this was OnlyFans Grimwood, Kelly Owen, Natasha Morris, Kelly Young, Emma Barber, Nathan Croshaw, Sammy G, Tony Michael, Kat Besant, Dana Lasnava, Jenny Robinson, Murray Grimwood, Six Gun Scotty, Amy Dawson, Amy Louise, Alexandra Pemberton, Stuart, not Clive, despite being old enough, McNaught, Tom Owen, Chris Howard, Caroline Robinson, M. Evans Roberts, Joe Ackland, Jacob Etherington, Kate Puttock, Martina McManus, Louis Cook, Carl Pendlebury, Danny Eaton, James McNaught, Clive, Jenny Sexy Boy Munster, Emily Perry, Jason Aredia, Kelly Cannon, Becky Andy, John and Emma, Khalil Keen, Clive, 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 Clivesbury. Nice one all. Adam, King of the Gods Paso, Clive, what you call a knight who is af- afraid to fight, surrender crisp. Surrender. I get it. I, the crisp bit is just Josh's surname. Anyway, thank you very much. Alice Wood, Amadine Urbano, Reese Bowring, Kate Stevenson, Kyle David Smith, Connor Lewins, and last by no means least, Daniel the Mighty Stevenson. Thank you very much to all of those people because you make this podcast happen. Uh, with you guys, it would not be possible. And all of the names in the description as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for being absolute legends and helping us do this podcast. Yes, we very much appreciate it. All of that is true. And if you're heading to festivals this summer, there's a good chance we're going to be there. We're going to be doing meetups with our Patreons. Um, so come and join the party. It's going to be a great, great time. Uh, as well, if you're listening to this and you're a metalhead and you're going to Downloads Festival, but remember on Thursday, June 9th of Download, we will be there at the Doghouse doing one of these live in the flesh. So please come and watch us because... It'll be a laugh, whatever happens. Um, I imagine. I. It's gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I. Fucking probably. I. Probably, probably. But um, uh, what else uh, have you got going on lately, Sean? Busy with the DJing? Um, yes. I have just got, received an email this morning from the My Chemical Romance promoters telling me that I am doing two of the Milton Keynes shows and the Warrington show um, as pre-show DJ. So I got a couple of them coming up. May the thirteenth, I'm in Nottingham DJing for Deadbolt. What else have I got? I've got a couple this week. Anyway, just check out my socials at Sean Smith Sucks on Twitter, at fake Sean Smith on Instagram, and then Morgan's socials are at Richards underscore on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to do. I didn't want to do it for you. Like I didn't want to like, make them up. Like yeah. And get in touch. Uh, yeah, send send money to Morgan Richards on Cash App yeah. uh, at Sean Smith Sucks. He's, for some reason, <laughs> he's he's changed his name. But yeah, um, yeah. Thanks to everybody involved uh, in the Patreon for making this week's episode possible. Thank you very much again to Matthew Tuck for coming on. Congratulations on all your success. That's it, Morgan. Eh? Yes, we will see you next Friday and every Friday for new guests, more stories, and some laughs in between. Absolutely fucking tidy. Sapnin! Sapnin! You're listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't, I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much.